Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. To another episode of Stargazing, a Dallas Stars podcast. You don't recognize this voice much. This is Mark. Uh, our, our genial host, West, was a game time decision and couldn't make it. So, fortunately for us, uh, fresh off the injured reserve list, we have Tyler with us tonight. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing good, Mark. How about you? I'm doing great. I, I actually went to two hockey games, and they were Dallas Stars hockey games this week. So I'm feeling great. We got four points out of it, and then we never get points when I watch them live. Yeah, I, I mean that's. I mean it's pretty nice. It's kind of a little bit of deja vu. Uh, just two, a pair of uh, three-two wins. Both of us, uh, both of them, seeing us edge back over the Golden Knights in the official standings, uh, not taking into account points percentage. Uh, so, so, so did you watch the games? I, I did. I actually, I actually uh, recapped them, which I didn't realize okay. when, when I signed up that I did two back to back. So, so how did the energy level seem at, at Honda Center? Uh, you know, there's people there. Yeah, there, there, there were a, there were even a handful of Ducks fans there. So, uh, fortunately, a, a decent amount of Victory Green there to cheer at the end of both games. But it's been a while since we've had one of these things. So a uh, bit to recap here. Uh, stars are still sneaking right in there, currently in the playoff spot. Probably by tomorrow they might be out of a playoff spot. Who knows? It's a struggle all the way through. But uh, as of now, we're looking pretty good. We made some moves at the trade deadline, though. Uh, what do you think about uh, Nemesnikov and Wedgwood so far? I have gone ahead and I've ordered my Nemesnikov jersey. And I'm going to be wearing it at every single game for the next uh, 10 years. <laughs> uh, well, well, really, uh, so as far, as far as Domestikov goes specifically, that to me, the issue I take with that is I just don't see, I just don't see the point. For, for Move us uh, beyond the idea of whether Dallas should have been buying in the first place uh, or if they should have been staying pat or even, you know, selling. I think the fact is they acquired a player who is, brings no offensive value, which is what this team needs. He's basically just a bottom six forward. And what he's essentially doing is you could think of it as, oh, we're acquiring him, you know, depth. Depth is always important. You know, every time you bring in someone to the trade deadline, there's in the expectation like, okay, now we got to play this guy because, you know, we just gave this up for him in a trade. And so that's, kind of like makes him forces him into the lineup and as we've seen with you know several players you know for peterson asuchnik uh now most recently and infamously uh Gurianov, basically it's just making it putting out players who probably should be in the lineup are now getting forced out for a player who at least so far in victor green you know doesn't seem to be bringing anything to the table Right, and he seems to be stapled to Tyler Sagan, and and whether that's related or not, uh, the Sagan line seems to be the one of the four lines that is struggling at this point. And you know, it, it's only been a handful of games, so you you can't really say that this is a, a definite trend. But we want to get Tyler Sagan going, and and they've been the one line that just hasn't been productive at all. Um, and, and that's you know whether they have uh, whether they have Gurianov with them or not. 
Yeah, and speaking of Gurianov, you know, he, he did uh, did watch the game here from the press box. And what in your mind does Dallas need to do to get the most that they can out of Gurianov? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Saad Yusuf he had a really good article today that talked about the situation, uh, Gurianov, and then just kind of bonuses for line thinking in general because. The way it's kind of going right now is you're talking about, you know, Nemesikov and partnering with, uh, you know, Sagan, that's line struggling. It's like, okay, he, we have the top trio of, um, of Heinz Roberts and Pavelski. That's not going anywhere. Then you have uh, Fox's line where he seems to be, bonus seems to be pretty set and set on, you know, keeping that together. So at the end of the day, you really just have, you know, the middle, you have like kind of middle six or second, fourth line, however you want to look at it, but you basically have six only six spots to actually tinker with and move people in and out uh, and try in different partnerships. So, you know, usually when it comes to uh, Guryanov, it's like, oh, well, you need to play with, you know, some better partners, you need to do this. That's kind of being restricted here by just sort of what bonuses philosophy is coming at. Um, I think what you really need to do if you're Dallas is – if you're trying to make the most out of Garyanov, you just have to get him into positions where he's uh, more comfortable. You know, uh, Saad mentioned that uh, his normal spot in the power play where he's seen success in the past, you know, they've been moving him around and haven't been playing him there. You know, they're uh, trying to, you know, with the deployment, well, you know, one of the greatest things that Garyanov can do is, you know, with the entry and going down the wing and utilizing his speed and puck possession. And obviously Dallas is a, you know, dump and chase team. And so you're losing out of that whole transition he brings. So if the stars really want to try and get the most out of this player who has proven to be productive in the past and, you know, tends to go hot and cold, they really just have to play a bit more to his strengths and make him feel more comfortable. And they just aren't doing that. You know, when he struggles, it's okay. Oh, you're struggling. You know, we're going to cut down your ice time or we're going to scratch you and it's, it's your fault. You know, they're not really helping him out as far as the X's and O's are concerned in their deployment of him. Right. And, and, and I think you, you start taking a look at trios and I know that they tried Gurianov and Sagan and, and Peterson on the other wing and Peterson can bring some of that creativity and IQ to that line, but they just got caved in defensively. And I, I think then there's an overreaction that says, you know, we just can't stick with this because it's going to give up goals. And and unless you see immediate offensive results to, to offset that, it's just not going to work, at least in, in the environment that the Dallas Stars play in. And so then all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's just the odd man out in how the lines get formed. And so, so you have, you know, Jamie Benz playing the other center position, and, and he seems to be comfortable with Alexander Radulov. And then Peterson has kind of found a spot on that other on that other wing, and so then you're really just talking about two positions because you know Sagan's going to be in the middle, and it's like who's going to work well with Sagan? And and we have we have four guys to pick from. We we have we we have Gurianov, we we have Mesnikov, we have Kivaranta, and and we have Studenich. And and so how do you mix and match those guys to be a successful line? Yeah, and it's, you know, it is kind of interesting because you get those, you know, 
when you're trying to find those long combinations and line combinations, and then you're seeing, okay, this player is playing well with so-and-so. And then, you know, when you're already limiting yourself to, you know, basically two lines to tinker with it, then you get in that mindset of, oh, well, you have to play these two players together or, oh, this player has to be in this position. It's just very limiting it. And that's, I think, why we're seeing this rotation of, you know, in the past, you know, since the trade deadline, since acquiring Domestikov, you're seeing kind of like a rotation of someone who's coming out and it's like this certain group and then, okay, a new person's coming in and then it's just kind of putting a, a mini blender to it. You know, I, if, one of the things I saw, and I think it was Tiffin that <laughs> I put this out there, but, you know, you could try something like, um, instead of Peterson, Garyanov, and Sagan, you could try uh, Peterson, Garyanov, and Ben. And you could have Ben, who brings a bit more of a, a physical, more of a kind of, you know, stronger defensive presence to that line, you know, still be able to produce offensively and still be able to help in uh, on that regard, but also bring it just a bit more uh, stability to what that, where they are, you know? And then I think you also have to just get to a point where you have to figure out when it comes to Graham, this specifically, it's like, okay, are we going to play him? You know, he's an offensive guy. He's not great defensively. So we're just going to, you know, deploy him very generously in the offensive zone and not have to rely on him defensively? Or do we want to try and, you know, improve upon his defensive game so that when, you know, those situations happen, he's not as much of a liability in their eyes? Because what it kind of seems based on, you know, Bonus's most recent quotes, it seems like, oh, well, if he's not producing, you know, he's a defensive liability, so we can't play him. Oh, and we're not going to make him not a defensive liability because he's an offensive guy. So it's like this weird situation where it's like, okay, if you're, you're if you're not produce, if you have an off night, or if you have a cold streak, then, you know, that means you're going to get benched or that means you're not living up to your bargain. Um, and seems to be applied to just Karyanov as compared to, compared to like other players, you know, who might be struggling or going uh, on, you know, cold streaks like Radulov or others. Right. And, 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 you know, Gurianov's had, had enough time here with the stars where, where they kind of know what they're getting with, with him. And, and, and it seems that he doesn't get any of the slack that comes with that yet. And, and, and you know, I recognize, you know, yeah, you have to earn your spot. Um, he was the, he, he was the top scorer on this team two years ago, but he was put in a position where he could succeed. But this team's developed since then, and because we have such a dominant top line that really is the offensive force of this team, it, it's left Gurianov searching for a home, and and he hasn't found it. And, and, and I don't know, you know, I think Domestikov was brought in because he could come in with Sagan and maybe give Sagan's line a little bit of that defensive prowess that uh, that, that you know you were talking about maybe maybe switching it up and have have Gurianov and and Peterson play with Ben and that gives them more of a defensive presence and so maybe that was the thought with Nemesnikov coming in on the wing where if you had some defense there you could afford to have some offense on the other wing and and you know, yeah you you roll the dice and and so far a couple of games in it just does not seem to be working but it still leaves the team with a, a bit of a conundrum in that they have a line that they have some pretty high expectations for that is, is quite obviously 
a, a line that's not giving them what they what they think they should be getting out of it. Right. It's they have they have very clear expectations for you know two of the lines, and in their minds, you know both are producing. They view you know, obviously the top trio as being successive, the successful, the you know Fox line is obviously really well liked by the coaching staff, and they think they're doing a good job. And so I think that's where they're you know coming to struggle is that. They're wanting to see that same, you know, reliance on figuring out the middle six, and they just haven't found the right uh, combination or you know strategy with those players. And uh, what what the answer is, uh, I mean, who knows? If your guess is as good as mine, and uh, it's just kind of a hope. It kind of wait and see, and hope it kind of works itself out that they're able to figure out that answer. Yep. Yep. And. Uh... Uh, well, and, and the the big part about it is that if you're going to be successful in the playoffs, I don't think you can afford to have a line that's not performing. And so here here I'm going to make a make a leap of faith and and think that the stars have a pretty good shot of making the playoffs at this point. Um, but if they have if they have one line that's just not going to be ready to to at least break even on the ice, that sets them up to be playing a really good team. And one line that that really isn't cutting it, and, and I think that is the the charge that Rick Bonus has, it is to get that in place here over the next month, so that the team can go into the playoffs with 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 a thought that they can roll with anybody. Yeah, and, and that's probably the logic for getting to Mestikov, at least in Nil's eyes, is just you know we're going to probably be a playoff team. Let's get ourselves, you know, more options to try and, you know, get the whole forward lineup. And so even if it, you know, may cause some, you know, roster difficulties or some awkwardness, you know, let's try and get this uh, as good of a team as we can be heading in. Um, right. And, 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 you know, bonus has, has a history with Nemesnikov down in, down in Tampa. And and Nemestikov up through the age 25, 26 was uh, was one of these guys who was kind of projecting where the offense was getting better and the defense was getting better and he had the potential of turning into a a pretty good middle six forward and and he's gone through a little regression and so it kind of fits this this mold that we've seen where we we kind of play as this Dallas Stars where we assign people roles based on the player that they once were as yeah. opposed to the player that they are right now. No, no, I think you're absolutely right on that. Uh, it's definitely a, there's probably definitely a, a Tampa Bay connection there that they kind of <laughs> struck on um, with that acquisition. To, to move on a little bit, the, so Mesikov was the one was, you know, the trade deadline acquisition, I'd say. But the other one that they did uh, leading up to that was uh, Scott Wedgwood, who <laughs> was brought in, basically acquired to help spell Ottinger and has, despite that, has only played one game so far in Dallas. But it was a pretty good game. against. It was, it was a pretty good game. <laughs> <laughs> to understate things, it, it was it was all right. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> We'll, we'll see what because I'm sure he's going to be in one of the two games this, uh, on Saturday or Sunday, and uh, I, I think I've heard some rumors that he's probably going to draw in at San Jose, so probably the Saturday game. And you know, hey, he's probably so excited to have a defense in front of him that that he's just he's living the dream. 
yeah, it, it, it is really, uh, it is really funny that you know heading into the season, you know Nils, we had four goaltenders. Andrew was on the outside. Our current, the current starter of the team, like undisputed starter, uh, was on the outside looking in, starting the AHL. And Jim Nell is saying, like, you know, you can never have too many goaltenders. And everyone is just rolling their eyes, you know, four goaltenders, you know, maybe, you know, call it three if you're, you know, Bishop probably wasn't coming back. You know, that was probably going to be a, a long shot, you know, but it's still like, okay, you really need this many uh, goaltenders. And then here they are heading into the trade deadline, trading for a goaltender because Cause they you know, didn't have enough. <laughs> four was uh, not enough. They needed five. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's crazy, and it's like, and I really like the move. Um, to, to be honest, even before his whole Carolina sent out, because you know I think the what Nil realized, and we'll see, you know how his deployment, how they actually use Wedgwood, and how much they play him going forward as we head to the playoffs. But you know, it's the idea that at this point, not just because he's the Stars' really only goalie of note, but uh, or has been. But just because this team has, you know, been so reliant on goaltending this season due to their you know, inability to score, it's pretty much the idea that, you know, if Ottinger goes down, you know, this team is tank. This this team is toast. Uh, so basically, even though you could continue to go forward, you could have just Ottinger, you know, play as much as possible, and then have, you know, Adam Shield there as a backup as needed, you know. But the reason they got Wedgwood is to you know, to be able to come in and to be able to spell Ottinger and basically keep him from overexerting himself. And, you know, obviously there's only one game so far that we've seen to take away from it. But I think you're right that Wedgwood is, you know, he's obviously not an all-star by any means, but, you know, with having a good defensive team in front of him, he has a very good uh, position to be, you know, to do well with this team and to be a solid backup option so that we're not, the stars aren't feeling like they have to play Ottinger or they lose the game. You know, they can say, okay, Hey, we can trust to give uh, Jake the night off. Well, and I have a certain theory here with goaltenders and, and you know, the, the stars tend to run a pretty structured, <clears throat> structured back end. And, and so you get these goaltenders who are coming out of teams where, where their defense is just a dumpster fire. And, too much for them to handle or, you know, and maybe they'll stand on their head every once in a while and get some wins, but they, they, they just lose, but you can kind of tell that they're decent goaltenders. And I, I think, uh, I, I think we got a little bit of rebound coming here with Wedgwood. And, and I, I think we saw the same thing with Hudobin and, and also Holtby. Um, yep. These are guys who were put in a position where they were just having to be, better than they were and especially a, a backup goaltender with the stars what you need to do is make the you made to need to make the saves that you're supposed to make and then every once in a while make one that uh, that's really great but the structure should take care of you quite a bit and it certainly does more than than many other teams out uh, i mean i i agree wholeheartedly I, especially you said like we've seen this before with uh you know hope was greatly struggling the previous two season uh, seasons uh, between Vancouver and Washington, if not more, the, you know, Hudobin was doing well as a backup goaltender with Boston, but that's also another, you know, defensively minded team and, you know, Dallas made him even look, look even better, you know? And, and so it's like, 
I do think that, you know, Wedgwood, he can be a very, you know, solid serviceable backup for Dallas. And I think what I liked about this trade, even uh, beyond what it means for right now for this season is, yes, Wedgwood is a, um, he's a pending free agent, but, you know, he's a lot, he's a lot younger than Hopi or Hudobin. He, he doesn't have like the injury history. And then also, you know, when he comes to his contract this next year, I mean, he's going to be, he's probably going to be acquired wherever he signs. It's going to be as a backup goaltender or, you know, a goaltender for one of, you know, like Arizona where he, where we got him from and he's going to come relatively cheap, you know? And Oh, by the way, we also have Ottinger who's about to have a big um, pay raise. And so I think what I really like about this uh, deal is you can acquire him. We can see him, we can test him out and can, the stars can see, okay, how does he fit in? with our system as a goal, as a goaltender, you know, is he doing well? Do we, uh, is it, does he mesh well? Does he get along with everyone and stuff like that? So that then you can head into, you know, the off season and you can say, you know what, you know, we, you did well with us. We liked you. Um, you know, we feel comfortable making you our backup goaltender for the next, you know, two or three years, you know, behind Ottinger and then boom, you know, f- for the first time in, in a while, the stars, you know, crease is set and we're not worrying about, you know, injury history or, uh, you know, how someone might play or if they regress or will they be to get back to form, you know, it'll just be kind of set. And on the flip side, if he doesn't do well, if that, you know, Carolina game was uh, abnormality, uh, anomaly, then basically you can say, okay, thanks for your help, but, you know, we're going to look elsewhere and try and figure out our backup sitting uh, elsewhere. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, trial run, Yeah. you know, the 30 day free trial or almost free trial until you uh, purchase your whole subscription. Right. Exactly. And the thing is, you know, this is a team that's going to need to save money where it can, because it has contracts that are coming up and it's always run, you know, for the last decade, it's run pretty expensive in the, in the net. And so here we're finally looking at a place where, you know, even if Ottinger signs a, a decent contract, it's probably not going to break the bank. But if, if, if you can bring in then somebody like Red Wedgwood, who is a, who is a solid number, you know, he's, he's definitely going to be a number two, but you probably get him for two years for, for, you know, 2.4, 2.5 million. Um, and, you know, so, so annual if, cap if even of, of, well, no, I'm that, that's for the two years. So you're, oh, okay. you're probably talking about, you know, 1.2, 1.25, something like that for a, for a cap hit. And that's the type of deal that you need to make in order to sign the contracts for, for the RFAs that, uh, that we want to keep and cross my fingers, somebody like John Klingberg. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I have, and I have hope an expectation that especially given how you know because with all of our with all rfas you know there's that do well you know when it comes whether it's haskinen or it's robertson or you know andre whoever you know they kind of fall into one or two categories typically it's typically a long-term deal to lock them up or it's a shorter more reasonable bridge contract you know you saw that dallas with uh heinz and garyanov with taking the bridge bridge deals and then you know haskinen with the full eight years and then there's more recently, there's been players across the league like uh, Makar, Kaprizov, who've been taking like, you know, five or six years aiming right around when they are going to get their first UFA um, status. But so I have hope and confidence that, um, 
what the stars are probably going to do is given how volatile goaltending is, we're probably looking at a shorter term deal for uh, Ottinger with a lower cap hit. And so I think if you can make out at the end of the uh, season with, uh, or heading into next season, you know, Ottinger and uh, Wedgwood combined could only be like a cap hit of, you know, say five or 6 million combined. And then if you're able to offload, the last year of Hudobin's contract onto someone, or you're able to uh, basically break that contract and just take the eat the extra cap hit over the next two years. You know, you're looking at uh, for the for the team a cap hit that's about equivalent to what you were paying, you know, Bishop alone before right. for the last several years. And so suddenly you're essentially getting a free. Um, you're opening up an entire roster spot worth of. Uh, cap money to put to add to someone like you know Robertson or uh, re-signing someone in free agency or something like that. So I think they're in a good position uh, goaltending wise if you know Wedgwood works out and you know Stars are willing to re-sign him and he's willing to sign. Yep. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, on the opposite side, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and do a long-term deal with, with Robertson. Um, I think uh, he's I'm shown sure. enough here in the last two years where, where we may want to turn that into an eight-year deal. I, I, I'm certain that the Stars will push heavily for that and want to lock him up. <laughs> They'll just be to see if uh, Robertson's willing to play game. I, I imagine he'll be – I'm not expecting a bridge deal for him, like a short term. I'm thinking it's either it's going to be you know five-plus years where you know Dallas is pushing for the eight range and um, – you know, Roberts' camp is pushing to five and to try and take him to straight to UFA, and we'll probably settle well, somewhere like six Ro or seven. Robertson, Robertson's kind of an interesting case because he's he's young enough where kind of like Miro, where where he can sign a full eight year deal and still come out where he's still in his prime, and and, and so that that that's an interesting position to be in. So he if he signs a long term deal now, he can probably still be in a position when he comes out of that deal to be to be in a position where he could command another long-term big deal. Uh, I, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're probably looking at, we're really looking uh, far into the future, but you're right because given his age and how he's doing, because uh, he's only, 20, he's only 22 years old, which right. is just crazy to think about. But, you know, let's say that he signs, uh, you know, he'll be 23 ahead of the season. If he signs an eight year deal, you know, that's putting him heading into free agency when At he's, 30. you know, 31. Uh, yeah. Which means, you know, 31-year-olds will get seven-year deals in free agency, whether they right. should or not. So you're right. There's definitely a – from his camp, they could very easily take a strategy of saying, oh, hey, like, you're after this deal, you probably only have one long-term deal and you left anyways. You know, let's just go ahead and – you know, tell Dallas, sure, we'll sign the eight years if you give us, you know, more money for each year, because at the end yeah, of the day, you're going to, yeah, you're probably going to make, you're going to have the same two big contracts, so might as well maximize them. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let let's hit one more thing here before before we wrap up. Um, you know, we 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 finally got uh, Miro Haskinen back uh, on, on this road trip, um, and and we. We somewhat survived without him. It was it was painful, but, uh, but the team had a winning record. Um, what are your thoughts about the the Dallas defense, having seen them now without Haskinen and with Haskinen, um, and especially now that they seem to be a, an over thirty five 
scoring force. Uh, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think Dallas did a good job of weathering the storm, if you will. You know, going I think it was like six and five over those eleven. So it's like you know, for a team not the greatest, but for a team that was on the playoff bubble when Haskins went out, basically staying along the playoff bubble and then aided with you know Vegas imploding. You know, that's pretty much. You know, that was good. You know, just staying the course was pretty fine. Just staying average and hovering the same thing. But when well, they were could, playing some you... pretty good, they were playing some good competition in those games, too. Right. It could have been a disaster. Yeah, it's not like, you know, I mean, heck, the road trip they're coming there to right now in the middle of where it's like, you know, Anaheim and San Jose and Seattle. It's like, OK, those are you know, towards the bottom end of the, you know, the league. You know, they're right. They're definitely we're playing better competition. Uh, that all being said seeing Haskin in these past two games is just kind of, it's sort of thing that the way he plays tends to, he goes, you know, unnoticed a lot because he's not, you know, a flashy player. Um, you know, he's not a camel car. He's not making the high reel highlight reels left and right. But when you sit there and when you see, Oh, Haskinen's back, finally, you know, let me focus on him when he's on the ice. And when you really take that time to watch what he's doing and it's just, Oh my goodness! Like he is somehow the best player on the stars, and is yet still like underappreciated, undervalued because you know just the little things he does um, that play off in in big ways. You know, like you know the last game against Anaheim for the overtime sequence, and you know yep. he basically you know the whole overtime was basically Haskins like okay helps stop a shot uh, scoring opportunity going one way, he goes up the other, and you know gets a shot on a two on one. Then he breaks up another scoring opportunity and feeds it up to Ben, who's able to get the game winner. It's like, you know, that put on a good, uh, you know, scope on everything, microscope on things of like that stuff that he's doing, you know, all the time, the little things, the little, the stick work of poking the puck away that, you know, usually isn't amplified. It usually doesn't go noticed that well, you know, in typical five on five and throughout the course of a normal game. Yep. Well, I thought, you know, as I was walking out of the game last night, my uh, my my friendly duck fans were were telling me how how this was all ruined because Terry uh, Terry decided to face plant falling over the red line, and it cost them a two on one going the other way. And I said, you know, that you can think that all you want, but odds on, I'd say Haskinen catches up to that play and and ends your two on one. I mean, he's just that good of a skater. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of a, I mean, you see it all the time and, and Haskin has amazing stick work, you know, with his yeah. poke checks, he doesn't even need to catch up and, you know, dive or anything like that. He doesn't need to actually get in between them. All he needs to do is he needs to, with open ice, basically stride and accelerate. And he's a fast skater. He just needs to get to the point where he can just stick his stick out and basically what would happen, what would probably happen in that situation is, you know, the, the stars on defender is sealing off the um, puck carrier. They try and pass it and Haskinen could very well be there and poke it away like he did, you know, yep. 10 seconds later. Yep. Um, any comments on Klingberg during the time that, uh, that Haskinen was out? You know, Klingberg's had just a really weird season. Uh, once... Once that trade deadline passed, it, it felt really weird. It kind of was like a, um, you know, finally his that status that, you know, was it going to get traded or not? That was looming over the entire season uh, kind of got lifted from his shoulders and he went 
he was incredible for like two games and then he kind of went back to like some struggling and some okay those are some boneheaded moves you know it's just I, i think he's more or less been sort of the same he's been all season where it's like it's just kind of confusing to me it's like you know what sort of happened here is it just you know unhappiness or is it is deployment or there's just something off and I'm not sure what it is. And maybe it's just, you know, getting up there and, you know, hitting the wrong side of the prime. I mean, I'm not sure, but kind of See, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing something different with Klingberg. I, I think, I think when Miro went down, he, he kind of saw himself back as the number one. And, and I think maybe he had a little adjustment period where he's been, he's been first pair guy for so long that, uh, that, when he when he kind of went second pair, uh, it it, it kind of hit his confidence a little bit. Yeah. And, and with and with Miro with Miro gone, you know, it, it's almost like you think that that would cause a little more pressure on his game. But but he kind of proved to himself, I think, at that point that you know, it's not that he's not it's not that he's getting worse and was a number two. He's just playing with a really good guy, and he still has it. And there's still you're, I mean, he's he's Klingberg, you know. He, there, there are going to be hiccups. Um, they're more noticeable because he tries to do more incredible things. And so that's always going to be the case with somebody like John Klingberg. But you, you also see how important he is to that team and how he's the creative force that causes a lot of the offense to happen. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, like I said, I, I think he's, he's been having a, a weird season as a whole. But, you know, but I think the positives there for me still outweigh whatever negatives. And to me, it's always, it's kind of weird. It's like, um, you know, he's probably played himself throughout the season. He's probably played his, you know, payday down a little bit. And to me, that kind of just makes you feel better about like, okay, maybe he's not going to have, you know, be able to command as much on the market or something like that. Maybe it'll be easier for Dallas to re-sign him. And then he'll be able to, you know, flip the switch again and be back to, you know, his uh, pairing self. Because I think you're right that it's kind of weird that, you know, Dallas has, um, you know, a night when they're both playing well, Dallas has two number one defensemen. And it's kind of a weird thing that just because they have, you know, Haskinen's just Haskinen, you know, you really can't. It's not a fair comparison for him for most players in the league, you know, and, you know, because Klingberg could go almost any team in the league and he'd be, you know, their number one defenseman. And it just so happens that he's playing with someone who's better. And I think you're right. There's definitely that kind of dynamic that for both of them where it kind of affects it, you know, because just like how, you know, Klingberg isn't being asked to do all the uh, handle certain situations or get as much ice time because Haskin is there, you know, the flip side is true. You know, Haskin isn't the top man on the power play unit. He's not, um, asked to necessarily do the same uh, offensive things as Klingberg, you know? So it's a kind of, it's a good problem to have. And it's definitely, you know, not something to be complaining about, but there definitely is a, in a psychology and a uh, deployment um, wrinkle in there that the stars have been figuring out these past, you know, four seasons now. Well, and, and the thing I wish they would figure out here is that, Running Klingberg and Thomas Hartley as a pair is just what they need to do. It, it's an invest. It's an investment in Hartley, and 
it probably keeps Klingberg in Dallas because, you know, yeah, John John didn't get as much money as he could have out of the, out of the deal that he got. Um, he's going to get paid one way or another. I mean, they're really talking about the difference of about a million dollars a year. But Harley and Klingberg have fun when they play together because they both have a similar type mindset, and I think they have have a game that can grow together. And and that that's if, if anything happens the rest of the year, I hope that's what we see. I, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I, I don't have my hopes up, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. but. You know, that's definitely, I think if you're trying to get the sign Klingberg long-term, I think you definitely have to sell him on the idea of, you know, making the most out of his abilities and, you know, making sure that he's happy, you know, both off the ice, but on the ice as well, you know, because he's going to have all these teams that are telling them, you know, here's our plan for you. Here's why you should sign with us. And and Dallas is going to have to do that as well. And, you know, they have to, and what they've done in the past is saying, "Oh, hey, you're going to be our top power play guy, and you're also going to play with this very defensive-minded you know, defenseman in Essa Lindell, who basically the way they probably pitch it is like, uh, oh yeah, he's there to cover up all your mistakes and everything you do yeah. wrong. You know, that's not that's not a pitch you can really give. It's just kind of like, no. a, a thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know, your pitch your pitch here is you're going to play another guy who can move the puck, so it's not going to be completely on you. You guys, you guys are just going to be an offensive juggernaut that gets the defense into involved in in the Dallas Stars offense, and people aren't going to be able to key on you because you're going to have a dual threat with you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, well, any, any, any final thoughts here uh, before we head the road? Uh, so you, you think they're going to sweep the road trip with two more uh, games left? I, I, I'm a pessimist in some ways. Uh, I, I think maybe somebody has a, has a weird game that, uh, that kills them. But they're definitely going to win one of the next two, and, and I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope for two out of two. Yeah, I th- they definitely should win both in my mind, but I think it's going to be a, you know, one of those weird, like, you know, they're going to pick up a point or something like that. They're going to get a, gonna, well, the Stars have been really good in overtime this season, but yeah. it's going to be a weird one where it's either a- an overtime loss or, you know, kind of like it was looking like for Anaheim this last game. It, I'm thinking there's going to be one of those uh, where it's just like the, the Stars should have won that and it was just another, you know, late game collapse or just pucked in and bounced right but as a whole this road trip should be to turn out uh good for the stars yep well pleasure having you on the podcast tyler uh don't be a stranger come on whenever you want uh i think that's pretty much it thanks again kt for all that you do uh give us all the thumbs up and hearts and uh downloads that we can get out there uh otherwise we'll talk to you next week <laughs>